camp was a great week. Um, I, want, I want you to see one thing about camp. Uh, here's the schedule of camp. Now, uh, someone told me yesterday that they've never seen anyone have so much energy for so many consecutive days as I did at camp. And uh, that's probably a big testament to why I'm so exhausted this morning. Uh, but here's our schedule. Um, and one thing I want you to know about the schedule is that we had our biggest week, not just Winchester Group, we had our biggest week of camp uh, probably ever. We had almost 140 people at camp uh, with all our groups combined. And our schedule is pretty tight. Um, we go uh, all day long. Not only do you not get sleep, but also you go all day long. Um, we were playing Ultimate Frisbee at 1 o'clock in the morning on Thursday night. Um, bad idea, probably, but it was awesome. And, uh, but as a director, uh, camp, is this schedule is kind of like a, a checklist for me. Uh, everything we do is uh, you constantly have to be thinking, what's coming next? Uh, what do we need to do to get through the evening activity uh, what, what, what needs to be done before the evening devotional. And then as we get through those, you kind of check it off in your mind. And this year was harder because uh, supper time and lunch time took longer than we allotted for because we had so many people. And so uh, we got behind on our schedule through those particular moments. Uh, but, but camp, for me, becomes a checklist. And we have to check off one thing to the next to make sure we get through the entire day and eventually the entire week. But guys, I want to share something with you. I have a fear that our worship has become like this schedule for me. That our worship has become a checklist. And that a lot of you are here this morning for the sole reason of checking it off your list for the week. And I'm afraid of that. Because I don't feel like that's what God expects of our worship. Worship is not something that you should be checking off the list for the week. Worship is something that changes your lifestyle. Worship is something that should connect with you every single day of your life, not just one day a week. And it is my fear that some of you are here this morning because you feel like, and you've been taught, that you're supposed to go to worship on Sundays. And so that's why you're here, to check it off the list. Maybe you don't exactly participate. You're just here to say that you were here. And that terrifies me. Because I don't think God would be pleased with that. So as we talk about the word worship this morning, I want you to really, really look at yourself. I want you to really look at yourself and think about how worship, how worship affects your life. Our entire lifestyle should be different because of our worship. And if it's not, then we're, I think we're doing worship wrong. And so we're going to get into 1 Kings chapter 18 for just a little bit this morning to talk about worship, I think we can get a lot of, of uh, experiences of worship through 1 Kings chapter 18, and I think we can look and see what God really expects of us and what God expects of our worship. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. I also have a broken water bottle because it went to camp with me. All right, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. 
So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. One of the definitions for worship is to treat someone or something with the reverence and adoration appropriate for a deity, appropriate for a God. So let me ask you this, this question. When people look at your life from the outside, what would they see as your object of worship? When people look at you from the outside, what do they think your object of worship is? In this passage in 1 Kings chapter 18, you've got one group who has given completely over to the worship of an idol, to Baal. And, and their focus is completely lost from that where it once was. And so Elijah sees this opportunity. He says, let me, let me put myself up against the prophets of Baal and, and Ahab, and let's get two bulls together. They will cry out to their God. I will call out to the Lord. And the one who sends fire from heaven to take over the bull will be the one true God. So let's look at verses 26 through 29. We're going to skip down just a little bit. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. Think about that. That's a long time. They were standing out there crying out to their, their idol from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry loud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. And, and I talked about this at camp just a little bit. These, these next couple of words, I think, are some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. No one answered, no one paid attention. You've got this group of people who are distracted from, from God's Word. They're distracted from focusing on the one true God, and they're looking towards Baal. We've all got stuff that is distracting us from worshiping God in the way that He expects. We've all got stuff that we could call our Baal to go along with this Scripture. What is it? What is it for you? When you come into worship on a Sunday morning, what is it that's distracting you from being able to fully give yourself in to worship? What is it? Is it success? Success in your job? Success in your relationships? Success in the community? Is it success? Is it money? Is it sports? Is it sex? Is it laziness? Is it your busy schedule? I'm going to be honest with you. That last one right there is one that gets me all the time. My busy schedule. I'm going to be honest with you that, that this one is one that I really have to think about and focus on because I get so much going on sometimes that when I walk through the door on a Sunday morning, it's hard to flip a switch and just quit thinking about all those things and focus on worship. It's hard sometimes, and I know it is for you too. It's hard to flip that switch. 
But I want you to think about this. Whatever your bail is, whatever it is that's keeping you from being able to fully give yourself to God and worship every single day of your life, earthly things cannot fulfill you the way God can. They can't. You can spend your whole life pursuing success here, enjoying yourself here, making a lot of money here, but you are never going to get complete fulfillment out of that stuff. Because that's just what it is. Stuff. And as long as something else is first in your life, you're going to keep calling. And just like these prophets of Baal, no one is going to answer no one is going to pay attention because you're calling out to the wrong God. You're worshiping the wrong God. And if you're having trouble worshiping God, please don't leave here today without identifying exactly what is distorting your focus. Exactly what is keeping you from being able to fully clear your mind and focus on God because we have got to identify that and eliminate it. Now let's keep reading. Let's look at verses 30 through 35. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom, he would, uh, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces and laid it out on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Verse 35, and the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. I want to ask you another hopefully challenging question. How do you prepare yourself to worship God? How do you prepare yourselves to come into the presence of God and worship Him? What do you do to prepare to be in the presence of God? Now, if you notice Elijah in verses 30 through 35, he's being very careful. Notice he is being very careful before he ever goes to the Lord and asks him to bring fire onto this bull. He prepares himself to do that. He prepares himself to go in front of, in front of these prophets and, and call out to his God. He makes, very special, uh, he makes a very special effort to prepare himself to call out to God before he ever calls out to him. What do you do to prepare yourself for worship? Like I said earlier, a lot of people look at worship as one time a week thing, but every single day of your life, you should be preparing yourself to worship the Almighty God. In your prayer life, you should be praying that God will prepare you for worship, that God will prepare you to come into His presence, that God will prepare you to clear your heart to worship Him. In your busy schedule, do you ever take time out of your schedule to rest for the sole reason so that you will be ready to worship God. That's a hard one. It's hard sometimes for us to clear time out of our schedule to rest so that when we come to worship, that we can fully give ourselves into worship. What about in your studying? Do you ever stop 
and listen to God throughout the week, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week, your relationship with God cannot be a one-time-a-week relationship. It can't. Relationships never work that way. Not just your relationship with God, but relationships with people around you. You can't have a one-time-a-week relationship with someone, and you can't have a -a one-time-a-week relationship with God. And I want you to see exactly what happens when we prepare ourselves to worship God. When we prepare ourselves to go into His presence. And the rest of this story, you're going to see what happens because Elijah has a close relationship with God. And when he goes in the presence of God, God knows that it's genuine. God knows that it's real. So I want you to look verses 36 through 40. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. When true worship is done right, it's all about God. It's all about God. I want to go over with you these you statements. You statements in this book, in this section of Scripture, that Elijah says, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Then he says, I am your servant. I have done things at your word. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. That you have turned their hearts back. It's so easy to let things become all about us. That when we worship, that we make it all about us and our feelings and our emotions and we forget to stop and think about what the Almighty God has done for us. Now don't get me wrong, there is an emotional aspect to worship. There's definitely an emotional aspect to coming into the Lord's presence and pouring our hearts out to Him in song and in prayer but that cannot become the only part of our worship. It's easy for our focus to get distorted and make it all about us, but it's not. Worship is not about us. I had a great conversation with a couple of people at camp this past week, and the question was this. How do you keep God, how do we keep God first and keep things from rising above God when we have deadlines that we cannot put aside? Now, that was the question that they posed, but I'm sure that all of us can make this question apply to us. How can we take time out of our busy schedule when it's going to make us behind? And, and you think about the pressure that kids have today for sports. They think if they miss one practice that it's going to put them behind the rest of their life and then they're not going to be able to start on their high school team and then they're not going to be able to play in college and then they're not going to be professionals. They have that kind of pressure and you have that kind of pressure in your job. If I miss this deadline or if I put this aside 
for just a couple of hours so that I can go before the presence of God, I'm not going to get the promotion that I want. That I'm not going to get the salary increase that I want. We have so much pressure. And teachers, you have a lot of pressure. That if you don't get your lesson plans done in time, that you're going to be uh, reprimanded by your boss. We have so much pressure constantly at us as Christians. And this question was posed at camp by some of our, some of our campers. And I want you to think about it this way. It all goes back to the you statements. Our life and our worship and service is about bringing God glory. God wants to be part of every single thing you do. Because in, those, in the way I just presented it to you, there's, we're looking at it the wrong way. We're looking at it as, I've got to go to work, and I've got to go to school, and I've got to go to practice. But that is not the way we should be looking at it. What we should be looking at it is different. Because also, we say, we have to go to worship. And we have to serve God. And we put God in this box. And we don't let Him out of it. And we have a God box. Then we have our school, and our work, and our sports But God expects that if you are facing a trial, that you will make him a huge part of that trial. That you will do face that trial to his glory. God expects that when you get a promotion at work, that you will stop and honor him for what he has done, for what he has given you, for for being a big part of giving you that promotion. God expects that when you have a big test coming up and you need to study, that you will make him a big part of your, your process. Living a life focused on bringing glory to God is not about sheltering ourselves from everything we do, but it's about bringing God into every part and letting Him be alive alive and involved in every single thing we do as Christians. Every single thing we do. I could have gotten up here and talked about why we worship the way we do, but I want you to understand the heart aspect of worship because I think it gets forgotten. You are called to worship and to bring glory to God. And as a congregation, we can do every single thing based on Scripture. And we can come in here and have a very scriptural worship. But if your heart is not in the right place, then your worship is in vain. And it doesn't matter if we do everything correct, if your heart is not in the right place. You have work to do to prepare yourself to come into worship in the presence of God. And I'm challenging you this morning that when you think about worship, that you will open your mind to think about worship all throughout the week, not just one day a week. All week, you should be preparing your heart to worship by bringing God into even the most uncomfortable parts of your life. That you will bring God into your relationships. That you will bring God into your workplace. That you will bring God into your marriage. That you will bring God into your biggest conflicts. Because the things that you constantly think about are the things that are with you all throughout the week. And I promise that if you make God become, if you allow God to become a part of every single thing you're involved with, worship is going to naturally flow out of you. And I'm confident in that. Worship will become a huge part of your life. And that's what's happening to Elijah. His whole life is focused on God. So when he comes before these prophets of Baal, 
He doesn't know where else to go except to God. We have so many different boxes that when we have a problem, we don't know which box to go to. But God needs to be in every single box that we have so that when we have a problem, He's already there. We already know where to turn to. Because of Elijah's service, these prophets of Baal fell on their face to the Almighty God. When the people around you look at you, what do they think you worship? What do they think you worship? What do they want to do to become like you? Do they want to be a fan of the same team you are? Because you seem to have so much fun being a fan? Think about this a little bit more. Do they want to have the same job as you because they think you have a great job? Do they want to be part of your friend group? Or do they want to worship and serve the same God that you do because they see the way He works in your life? I want you to know, I want you to think about how you can make God and worship and service to Him a bigger part of your life. Maybe that means you need to rededicate your life to Him and that you need to bring Him into every aspect of your life because you've been leaving Him in a box If that's the problem, I think you need to rededicate your life to Christ. I think you need to repent of that. Or maybe you've never become one with Him in baptism. And and I think if you haven't done that, that it's time. It's time for you to take Christ on in baptism and allow Him to enter into your life, to take on the Holy Spirit, and to let Him become a part of every single thing you do. Let the Spirit enter into your life and let the Spirit encompass every aspect of you. If you have a need this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing.